Altitude's undefeated. Crap, we will punch it up, whatever it was in. Not a huge fan of it, I don't know where I was going. I looked like I was running and started to talk to someone. I don't know what I was doing. I tell you what, Matt, we don't get much by you, that's for sure. Hello, Colorado Rapids fans. You are listening to Holding the High Line with Rabbi in Red. My name is Matt Pollard, and it is Monday, April 24th, 2023. Welcome to Wrexham. Season 2 is going to have a way better ending than Season 2 of Sunderland Till I Die. European football is heating up as the Champions League final will be one of the Milan teams versus one of Real Madrid or Manchester City. We also got a Manchester derby in the FA Cup final. And Stan Kroenke's other team, are they about to blow it? Uh, But most importantly, it's an HTHL holiday this week as it marks the start of the Open Cup in their first round, including MLS teams. And Rabbi and I are excited for the Magic of the Cup and the inevitable Colorado Rapids getting cup set. Joining me now, that man who, just like Ted Lasso, once went to Amsterdam, may have consumed some products, and stayed up all night reinventing total football, Rabbi Mark Goodman. Triangles, baby. It's all about the triangles. Hey, Matt, I w- I'm impressed with the rundown you gave. Uh, one additional uh, fascinating factoid that I've been keeping an eye on, um, Bayern Munich fired their uh, exceptional manager, Julian Nagelsmann because Bayern weren't crushing everybody in the Bundesliga and then went and hired Thomas Tuchel, who then promptly went out and lost three matches and now has everybody panicking. Um, And now people are talking about firing Thomas Tuchel. Can you imagine? I mean, things are just like totally chaotic and crazy there that like if if they're not in first place, they fire one manager. And if they drop to third place, they might fire another. This is like the bizarro opposite soccer team of the Colorado Rapids who get like mid-table to bottom-table performance out of a manager for a year or two or three and go, eh, we'll see. Maybe next year will be better. You know, it's like it's a wild thing. And I, I just I wonder what it's like to have expectations that high. But there were a lot of interesting other comments in the rundown, Matt, um, especially the Open Cup, which I probably will be going to see tomorrow night in the flesh, although here in Pittsburgh where – the uh, USL uh, Pittsburgh Riverhounds got a first round bye due to the folding of um, Rochester uh, FC, formerly the Rhinos, and um, will be playing the Maryland Bobcats tomorrow in what I think is their first ever meeting. So that should be really interesting and a good time, and hopefully the weather will hold because uh, there's a frost warning on here in, in Pittsburgh for the night. Matt, are you excited about uh, Open Cup Fever? Yeah, I'm excited about all the stuff, to be honest, Mark. You know, it's been, you know, for me personally, you know, Fulham getting two back-to-back wins after our really, really horrible march and to get those six points be over the 40 points. I can kind of, for the first time ever, Mark, I can really, I can tune out or I can just passively watch my European team without a whole lot of concern because normally we get into April and it's, oh God, are we going to get promoted? Are we going to win the promotion playoff? And it's the, oh, we're barely hanging on. Are we going to stave off, you know, relegation or anything? And it's kind of just, it's nice 
nice to have my European club just on the beach, Mark. And I mean, we've effectively been on the beach for a month, but like to officially be on the beach, you know, here, you know, with one week to go in the month of April is absolutely fantastic. But to your point, Rabbi, about the greater European soccering that's going on, I'm wondering, have they borrowed a couple pages for the MLS scriptwriters? Did the MLS scriptwriters come in and are they, you know, ghostwriting the final couple weeks we have of some of these European leagues? You know, is Byron actually going to ruin it, Mark? Mark, whichever scriptwriter wrote the 2018 Colorado Rapids season, that person is either ghostwriting or inspired the season that Tottenham's having right now. I don't wow. know if you saw this earlier today, Mark. Who fires the caretaker manager? Like, yeah. you, like, you have to point another, like, at what point does the, the remnant coaching staff of Conte that didn't leave with him and get fired, like, at what point do you fire so many caretaker managers to where all of the previous assistant coaches you had from the former head coach, do you ro- lose out on those people? Or is Dan Levy going to come in and coach Tottenham to their eighth place finish at this point? And speaking of the coaching carousel, Chelsea is rumored to be signing Pochettino, which is like, guys... Uh, it's just it's just a round robin in the English Premier League where you fire one guy and then he gets put out to pasture for a year long vacation and then he just washes up with another Prem team. I mean, like Eddie Howe is going to go from Bournemouth to Newcastle and then back up to the Premiership next year, and it's all just a mystery to me. Like, there's only twenty twenty eight guys. Uh, for you know. 22 jobs or 20 jobs or 18 jobs and they just take uh, turns rotating from job to job it's almost like you know uh tuchel and pochettino and uh, frank lampard are all just kind of like uh shooting dice and whoever comes up sixes gets to manage the next job that's available it it's it's chaos matt and and the funny thing is they won't give other uh managers another a shot at it uh and you wonder to yourself like could any couldn't anybody just do as well as these guys who've been kind of been brought in to you know see things out for the final five games of the English Premier League season? I don't I don't know the I don't know how these things work. It's a mystery to me. Yeah, good questions there, Mark. Uh, one last question for you, Rabbi, and then we'll get to the actual stuff going on on this side of the pond. Um, Arsenal dramatic comeback against Southampton, and then. I almost want to say like a de facto like Premier League Cup final, uh, you know, in what two days time against Manchester City. Nervous, concerned, or do you think Arteta's got this under control? It was such a weird, I mean, uh, for those of you who didn't follow what happened this last week, Arsenal were down three to one. Um, they were down after an early goal off the bat that was a howler of a, of a terrible pass um, from the goalkeeper. And um, they, 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 in the final 10 minutes, drew it even 3-3. And Arsenal fans at the Emirates were jubilant. And then I think about 10 minutes after the game, all of us kind of looked up and went, looked at the table and went, oh, crap, we're in bad shape. Like, um, uh, right now, Manchester City is, I think, down a point with two games in hand to Arsenal. Um, something like that. And it's, it's, uh, it's not, it, it doesn't look good to me, Matt. It looks to me that like Arsenal could play um, excellent soccer all the way to the 38th week and lose the championship because Manchester City, you, we all know because they've been this way for the last three or four years when they want to put on the retro rockets and, you know, go into hyperdrive, they do. And so, Arsenal could play perfect for the rest of the season and still lose 
the championship. I'm okay with it to some degree because we're in a Champions League place, and I think that's very exciting. Um, I think this is still a very young team. There's a lot to be excited about. There's a few players like Saliba who are out injured. Um, Bukayo Saka is a fantastic player who will probably be better next year uh, than he was this year. I mean, and that's a crazy thing to say. So, um, you know, things are looking pretty good for Arsenal. The way I speak, though, Matt, is uncharacteristic of an Arsenal fan who generally thinks either A, we must win the league or everything's a failure, or it looks, you know, to be hopeful about Arsenal is to be deluded and uh, ridiculous, and no one should um, have too much hope. So uh, I am I am a weird Arsenal fan in that I am hopeful and excited for, for the ball club. Yeah, Mark, there was, a, there was a really good episode of Welcome to Wrexham Season 1 where they go through and they talk about all the different stereotypes of Wrexham fans. And like the uh, yes. like the the hot take merchant getting drunk in the pub, that is most of Arsenal Twitter. I, I think it's fair to say, Mark, for most of your sports teams, you're a happy clapper. And I'd say for all of my sports teams, I'm absolutely the, the passion idiot in that case. But one quick fact check for you, Rabbi. Arsenal with two games in hand on City, but City five points behind. So City win those two games in hand, and then you're looking at a one-point lead for City and a vastly superior goal difference on top of that. That being said, obviously you've got the game this week, Mark, which I think, you know, I think if Manchester City win it, then they're in pole position, regardless of what Arsenal does at this point. Let's move Let's move on, Rabbi, to the Open Cup, where, as you mentioned, Pittsburgh River Hounds have their game. But their game's starting tomorrow, so today, if you're listening to us on Tuesday, folks, and they're actually going through no Thursday games. Normally, in this round, it's split where there's some Tuesday, some Thursday, depending on who's playing it on Sunday. And, Mark, I have to say, a lot of—I'm not sure there's a single match here that I'm— like completely ambivalent about um, maybe the fact that it's a non-league like non-professional team versus Sporting Kansas City I think that's actually going to be competitive but you mentioned Pittsburgh Riverhounds have their game uh, Detroit City are hosting Minnesota United that's normally a, a bit of a banana peel for the MLS team having to go out to Keyworth Stadium New England Revolution versus Hartford if that had been a Hartford home game I think you have a much better atmosphere Gillette on a Wednesday night not super excited about that you've got Omaha versus St. Louis Mark a really good mid- Midwestern matchup for me on the Tuesday if I'm picking a game that I think is going to be the cup set alert I've got Monterey Bay versus San Jose Earthquakes and then you move forward to um, the Wednesday, April 26th, uh, when the Rapids are playing Hailstorm, you've got a bunch of regional matchups between MLS Big Team and then maybe little bro- local Little Brother regionally in the USL Championship. First, you've got FC Cincinnati versus Louisville, Mark. That used to be a barn burner in the USL Championship back in the day. Um, Memphis 901, uh, Tim Howard's team taking on Atlanta. Indy 11 crossing the border into Ohio to play Columbus. DC United versus Richmond Kickers, Mark. I think effectively the Taylor Rockwell derby as far as I'm concerned. You've got the Miami FC hosting Inter-Miami. That's going to be a super interesting one for me. Um, Chicago House, a team that I'm just now learning about that I don't know what league they're in or what <laughs> level they're in. And you've got a number of also really good uh, USL versus USL matchups as well, Mark. You've got Charleston versus Charlotte Independence. You could speak more to that one in particular. And then what was the other one that I was really intrigued with? And then New Mexico United versus Phoenix Rising, which could be a USL championship playoff preview as far as I'm concerned. Um, but uh, Mark, give me one. We'll, we'll hold off on the Rapids game. All the ones that I listed right now. Give me a game not involving an MLS team 
uh, that you're excited about. If you want to say Pittsburgh, that's fine. And then give me a cup set alert for an MLS team. Well, I'll give you um, two uh, two games of those of that ilk on Tuesday and two games on Wednesday. So the um, really interesting matchup will be Monterey Bay versus San Jose Earthquake. You called it your cup set. I'm interested in it because Monterey Bay has uh, two former Hounds and one former Charlotte Independence player. Charlotte Independence player is Hugh Roberts, who is a phenomenal human being, host of a podcast and um, very involved with um, the black players uh, justice movement during the George Floyd protests was very involved in protesting the ownership of the Charlotte independence when they were engaged in some uh, mild to medium heavy racism. Uh, and then uh, Alex Dixon, who's a striker for Monterey Bay um, just absolutely is a d- dynamic, fun, exciting uh, player. Simon Dawkins, another forward for Monterey Bay. They're a really fun team in a really fun part of town. And knowing how things work in MLS, San Jose will put on all their scrubs and their reserves. And Monterey Bay as the home team might be in a really good position for that one. But my actual cup set from Tuesday is that aforementioned New England Revolution Hartford Athletic match. Um, Hartford is a really tough out in USL East. They're a really talented team. They have been even since the year of their inception, they have just put out a good team year after year. They've been getting better and more experienced. And I have um, really, I really think that's a good cup set. I would literally put them at a, at, at, you know, uh, dead even uh, chance for winning their game tomorrow. Um, for the Wednesday games, I think the most interesting matchup is probably the first one on the board, which is FC Cincinnati versus Louisville City. Um, Louisville, just a, a class organization, always trying to get themselves into the top of the USL, even when they're not really sure whether there's a future for them in MLS. They're just a really phenomenal team. Um, so that's a fast, fant- and it's a, also a, a, a Midwestern, you know, Eastern Midwestern um, kind of matchup that should be a lot of fun. Um, I guess my cup set of the night is gonna be there's so many opportunities here um i'm gonna go with san antonio versus nashville san antonio uh usl west uh have been an excellent top tier team um they've gone to the usl final um and into deep into the playoffs in the last couple years um and they will again be up for this match nashville as a team in mls have kind of been uh, sputtering along. They've been, they're a very talented team and very deep, but their talisman is Hani Mukhtar and he hasn't really gotten the season off very well. Um, I think he has a goal and an assist or something like that, but not quite his usual uh, performance. And it wouldn't matter anyways, because of course they're going to put those guys all down on the bench. I feel like Nashville narrowly averted a cup set last year. So, um, this year, I think uh, we can call it as as the first round upset on Wednesday. Uh, and then for me, Mark, I'll go the non-league game that I've got. The two that I'm I'll, – you pick two, Rabbi, so I'll pick two as well. New Mexico United versus Phoenix Rising. I'll say Sacramento versus Oakland. Rabbi, correct me if I'm wrong. I would say those are four teams that I would put in the upper half of the USL championship. So really excited to see that one. And in terms of cup set, you know, I, I – well – Mark, I think we both agree Cincinnati is going to be a very good team and be very scary 
this year in the Eastern Conference. I think a lot of they're a front-loaded team generally in terms of how they sign players and their DPs and everything. I have to believe that Pat Noonan is going to rotate rotate his squad. He is a descendant from the Bruce Arena tree. And Mark, what's the one competition Bruce Arena never cares about in American soccer? The Open, Open Cup. Cup. So, yeah. so I think you get a rotated squad. I think you get Louisville going in there thinking like, this is the, you know, certainly with the energy from the fans and around the front office thinking, you know, this is our old rival from the USL championship. And you've got a team that's used to playing in big games and big atmospheres that's going into, um, they are at TQL Stadium, whether or not they're, uh, whether or not this is sold out TQL, I think it's a valid question. I don't know what's in it. I think Louisville goes out there and does not outplay FCC, but pips them and gets the result there. Uh, Rabbi, shall we move on to actual rapids happening? Yeah, one last thing I'll note is that if there's a they're the opposite of a cup set is a is an open round drubbing. Uh, I would say Atlanta United Memphis nine oh one does not look good for Memphis. They have looked really shaky as a USL side. Um, and when you put a bunch of reserves and scrubs on for Atlanta who are buried deep in the roster behind guys like Tiago Almada and other high end top top flying top performing guys. Um, I would not want to be Memphis in this match. Uh, good point there, Rabbi. And then what was the other one? I can't remember what I was going to say um, other than that. So we will move on. Listeners, this past Saturday at Dick Sporting Goods Park, the Colorado Rapids extended their unbeaten streak in Major League Soccer play by getting a 1-1 draw with St. Louis City FC in the first ever matchup in the Cronky Derby. Uh, Mark, normally I would go through and comment on all the different highlight plays that you had and everything, but the Rapids had over 3xG created in this game, so I don't even have time to like talk through every single one of the plays and how they happened and who was involved. Kevin Cabral got a bunch of chances and his first home start as a member of the Burgundy Boys, though he was offside on multiple of those plays. Keegan Rosenberry hit the post in transition late in the first half. Brian Acosta was a live wire and an absolute world beater going up through the middle, almost with Connor Ronan playing the six and then... Uh, Brian Acosta playing the eight, and I thought he was fantastic in terms of his runs from deep and that final ball to try and open things up in the attack. Uh, The Rapids dealt with the press of St. Louis very, very well. They dealt with Red Bull soccer very well, and that set them up for moments in transition and moments where they were in attack, where they had a favorable numerical situation. Um, Second half comes out, and St. Louis obviously responds with the game being nil-nil, but the Rapids bossing the game, especially in the first 30 minutes. William Yarbrough had a fantastic save on Alm uh, about 10, 15 minutes in and then Jared Stroud with the biggest miss of the game, having a relatively wide open net with Connor Ronan marking that near side post, and he just puts it in the side netting. Mark, it was a solid 10, 15 seconds after that actual play in which with that corner, the St. Louis fans who sold out their allotment of 150 in the northwest corner of the Richard, who were still celebrating, not realizing that the ball hadn't actually gone in the back of the net and proceed to wonder why Jared Stroud and the whole team wasn't running over to their corner. In any case, ultimately, Jared Stroud and Alm would redeem themselves just moments later off of a goal kick, some good quick passing with the Rapids pressing forward into the midfield leads to Jared Stroud putting a great cross into the back post. Danny Wilson slightly out of position. Keegan Rosenberry and Stephen Badisher out of position and Alm has a tap in to make it 1-0. Four substitutions from Robin Frazier in the 70th minute mark. I can't remember the last time I saw that happening. 
it was three subs planned, and then ultimately there was a four sub as Stephen Bateshire had a knock, and Anthony Markanich was a late addition to make it four subs. Lewis had two shots or two three shots. He had a really good opportunity to score. Mark uh, he had a combined XG of the game for of point five six. Uh, Andreas Maxu had some opportunities. Darren Yappi got in there, but ultimately didn't get a really good shooting opportunity. And then with eight minutes to stoppage time in the second minute of that, Ralph Prizzo with a nice through ball to Diego Rubio, who just touches Snon, has both defenders come to him, ultimately then directs the ball into the open space and to an open man that was Michael Barrios, who finishes on the near side, and the Rapids get out of dodge with a 1-1 draw. Rabbi, I'll start with you. Good thing. Well, the goal from uh, the Rubio slick, was it like a a side pass? Was it a back heel? Was it a dummy? It was just such a slick little redirection. Um, It's hard to figure out uh, exactly how he how he made the magic happen with his foot. Um, But he did it. And then it came to Michael Barrios, who I jokingly referred to on um, even before the goal happened, I I sort of. Uh, anticipated it accidentally by saying on Twitter, we've reached the final 15 minutes, which the Rapids called their throw S at Michael Barrios and hope something happens time, right? It didn't come down the way we usually do things for Michael Barrios, which is let's hit the long diagonal from the left back to Michael Barrios, see if he can run onto it from behind the opposition and then uh, do a cutback pass or do a little shimmy shake and put it into the box. He kind of ran through um, on the, the kind of the one, two, three pass and came up with it and, and just roofed it in a beautiful way. It was a lovely goal. It, it was really great. Um, in addition, the other good thing was the entire first half, the Rapids created a lot of chances. Um, they looked very dynamic and fluid. A lot of folks thought that, and I, I would mostly tend to agree with them, the um, Cabral-Rubio combination up top at striker looked like it was really working like there was they were they were pressing the back line they were creating a lot of problems Cabral broke through on the opposition I think for three plays which were called for offsides but they were all very very close um you know a very threatening rapids in the first half those were a lot of good things Matt what do you have for good Again, just the the Barrios to Rubio, the the Rubio to Barrios connection. I agree with you was a really really good one, Mark. Um, I guess uh, the kind of the bad thing is still it's another game where the entire offense in terms of goal creation comes through magic from Diego Rubio, and in that <laughs> the Rapids are still reliant on Diego Rubio. And I'm waiting for somebody else to you know get really good opportunities. I guess maybe that is Michael Barrios, Mark. The old man is having a little bit of a renaissance, two goals to assist so far this season and back-to-back games where he gets a goal in stoppage time to ultimately um, you know convert the result in favor of the Rapids. Fun little stat for you here, Mark. Uh, Diego, that was uh, Barrios' 12th goal for the Colorado Rapids. And in the time that he's been with the Rapids, I think it's 91 players in MLS that have scored um, that many goals. Like, not uh, Barrios is the only one who scored them all in the same half. So Barrios has yet to score in the first half for the Colorado Rapids, if I'm getting that stat correct, which I think is kind of interesting, Mark. Granted, you know, he was mostly a sub last year. He's been mostly a sub this year. That is that is more a fans who are like, oh, that's a weird stat, but also like there's a bunch of other players who just score in both halves and everything. That is not an indictment on Michael Barrios for not being a starter for me. That is a compliment to what he has been able to be as a super sub the last year, maybe 18 months with the Rapids. I remember him kind of being a super sub, um, you know, down the 
stretch in 2021 as well, Rabbi. So uh, congratulations to Michael Barrios, who continues to score in stoppage time uh, and who continues to score in the second half. Uh, He's an effective super sub for this Colorado Rapids offense. His remain unbeaten, Mark. I think that's five now that they've gone without a loss. But obviously, you know, at some point, you know, that goes to infinity and you just get a bunch of draws. Then really, that is a winless streak, not necessarily an unbeaten streak. I'll get to bad things and big things on what I think more on that. It was great to see Andreas Mekshu back in with the lineup. Rabbi, who obviously missed two games uh, after a concussion that he sustained against Sporting Kansas City. And just to see the fact that he was back in training just a couple days after that injury was good. The fact that he did not go to the hospital the night of that injury in Kansas City was good. And to see him come back, play 90 minutes, and obviously be very, very effective. He wasn't even subbed off in this game. Uh, it was... Um, Stephen Betasher, and then Danny Wilson, who was subbed off tactically at that time. So he comes back, he plays 90 minutes, he plays relatively well. Um, He was a physical presence that I think ultimately held Santa Claus in check, and that was absolutely fantastic on Max Shue's part. And then for me, Rabbi, even though he wasn't on the field for the Rapids goal, Brian Acosta, man of the match, no question. I would argue his best performance that he has had with the Colorado Rapids. And um, where was this player last year, Mark? I kind of have to wonder. Was it getting settled in with a new team, maybe? Was it the fact that Jack Price missed so many games that Brian Acosta had to be played in the number six role rather than as the number eight? And maybe now Robin Frazier's thinking that there can be a double pivot, some give and take between the two. And maybe it's that Connor Ronan is actually the better number six than Brian Acosta is. And this is the role that we were supposed to see Brian Acosta in all of last season. And it finally took him having a former Wolves player, albeit Ronan, instead of Jack Price, to actually be in that role. The runs that he made with intensity, Mark, were Enzo Martinez-level good. The passing that he has, I thought, was something that certainly Cole Bassett would have been proud of. He got a couple shooting opportunities himself, wasn't able to convert. I know that's not necessarily his game. That's not the player that we expect him to be, so I'm not faulting him on that. But whatever whatever happened in his brain, Rabbi, when he hit that post at Charlotte, if that's awoken up something else, it's going to help him elevate this Rapids midfield, which is obviously missing so much with Jack Price out and Cole Bassett still recovering from you know a, a repeated hamstring injury. I am here for it. Uh, Rabbi, I'll go to you for bad things first. Well, we didn't win. <laughs> um, the entire uh, second half, we really looked uh, shaky, uh, lacking flow, lacking uh, sense of um, rhythm. Uh, and, and that's something that I don't remember having seen um, in several games. I, I feel like watching an entire half of soccer where the team really struggled to kind of string together passes, um, you know, get into the game until, you know, really until shortly before the Barrios goal, there just wasn't really any sense of the team building something uh, consistent. Um, Additionally, just in general, like without the specifics of how they played in the one half where they didn't play very well, um, I definitely think that being in a position where the where we're very happy with the team earning a, yet another draw um, and sitting, I think we're at eleventh right now on the table. Is like th- these are weird places to be at, where we as a as a fan base are saying to ourselves like, "Oh yeah, this is the signs are looking good. We've we've worked a bunch of draws in a row." Like 
we've become, as fans potentially, complacent in mediocre results and accepting that this is okay. Um, you know, there, there, there were some really nice statements from the players about how energized they feel and how good they felt after the game. I think Connor Ronan said something effective. This is the best we've looked all year. But then the Rapids also posted a video of Robin Frazier dropping swears in the in the locker room and saying like, you know, we could do better than this effectively. And and so it's a team that has still has yet to kind of find its soul. I think your point uh, that you made as a positive of, you know, Diego Rubio is the straw that stirs the drink and he looks really fantastic and he makes a lot of things happens. Like I'm very nervous about the fact that we have one exceptional player and 10 guys who are, pretty good or one will have a good game and another will have a good game, but there's nobody out there who's just really, I mean, Connor Ronan also, um, but who's regularly consistent. And I think your point about Brian Acosta, you know, almost uh, underscores that point, which is Brian Acosta had a good game. He didn't score. Uh, he, he banged a bunch of lasers that hit the woodwork, but um, he looked dangerous, but he wasn't, he wasn't finishing. Um, but that being said, like, yeah, he did it this game, but like, can he do it in Stoke on a rainy night? Like that's, that's the question of like, can guys string together two good or three good performances And the history generally is no. I mean, that's the entire story with Kevin Cabral, which is like, he looks good in a spot or two, but generally hasn't been consistent enough to even earn a starting spot. So there's just a whole bunch of that with this team where they, they click in on all cylinders in short spurts or one guy's clicking or they click for a half, but like we don't have a 90 minute performance out of this team. We don't have 11 guys having an excellent game altogether. We have, you know, five guys having 45 minutes of good soccer or one guy playing his head off, you know, for one match. Like what we, we do really need kind of a, a group effort that goes for 90 minutes that all happens at the same time. Matt, what do you got? Um, yeah, to, to your point, Mark, about the, the lack of consistency or the lack of consistent quality in this team, you know, you just have to look at the stats and see, you know, 21 shots to nine shots, 13 to four on target, they outshot St. Louis. And then as I mentioned earlier, XG, it was 3.2 to 1.1. And then if I just look, Mark, on those two plays that uh, St. Louis City had, which was really the vast majority of their attack. You know, the arm shot that was saved by Yarbrough, rebound goes to Stroud, he misses the wide net, and then the tap-in for Stroud, tap-in from Stroud to Alm. You had 8.25%, 44%, so round that up to 50, and then 31, so I'll say roughly 0.8 of their 1.1 XG were in those two plays, and some of that is redundant, obviously, because the Alm shot that was saved and the Stroud shot, that's from one sequence. You're only getting one goal out of that. And so to really limited opponent to deal with the, I, I forgot to mention this in good things, they dealt with the press so well to then set up the attack in the first half to where the big thing that you were concerned about with St. Louis coming in was almost completely nullified. Like, Mark, you, we, you outdo the opponent by a multiple of three in XG and you take away their single biggest strength and your center back coming back off of a concussion has... Santa Claus, their most important attacking player in his back pocket for 
85 plus minutes, you know, that, and you do all of that and you manage to not win the game and also have to come back from a losing position. The finishing's not there, Rabbi. You know, you compare, you know, they had, they had two really good attacking sequences. They scored on one of them. They should have scored on two. Jonathan Lewis had three really good opportunities. Kevin Cabral, Mark, um, you know, he's fast. Um, but he's just like Jonathan Lewis, he shoots right at the goalkeeper. You know, Lewis had two back-to-back opportunities before the, the Rapids goal. And what did he do, Rabbi? He shot one right in a position for Berkey to make the save. And then he punted yeah. the other one into 117. Those are the two places that Jonathan Lewis shoots, unfortunately. Um, yeah. and you know, yes, they forced, yes, Berkey had to be fantastic. And probably on the whole of the 90 minutes, he was the man of the match but you know Cabral gets loose he goes in on a breakaway he's going towards the near post Berkey's right there and he shoots right at that spot right at the goalkeeper he was off sign on a couple of those plays anyways and he didn't finish out the game for 90 minutes and everything did I see the speed yes did I see the lack of finishing also yes did I see anything that makes me think that Cabral is anything different from what he was on the LA Galaxy not really and the different what the difference there rabbi to where he was getting more opportunities and actually finishing some of those opportunities was he was playing on a team where he was the third or the fourth player that opposing teams were really think about were thinking about. You think about the galaxy. What are you thinking about, Rabbi? Don't let Chicharito do any poacher stuff. Get a body on um, on Ricky Pooj in the midfield, and then you think about Grant Sear, maybe one of the center backs on set pieces as well. And then you think about Kevin Cabral with that starting eleven out there, Mark. You're thinking about don't let. Diego Rubio stir the drink and then don't let Kevin Cabral get in behind. And if he does set the offside trap or, you know, cut down the angles to the point where he shoots right at the goalkeeper. And unfortunately, that's making this Rapids team, while they are very good box to box, while they are out kicking their coverage in terms of Robin Frazier putting them in a position to control games for stretches against more talented teams, against teams that could take advantage of their weaknesses. They're not out kicking their coverage because they can't finish in the final third and opponents will get fewer opportunities and manage to score on ones that are breakdowns defensively. And so that's still a concern. Um, Rabbi, they had one goal and it was off of a goal kick. You should not be conceding a goal off of a five, six pass sequence off of a goal kick. Yeah, you try to press and everything, but as soon as the space is opened, like the fullback should know, oh crap, we should get back in position and everything. Rosenberry's out of position that leaves Jared Stroud wide open. And then you've got the... Um, you know, the gap in between, I'm not sure where this gap would be in the back five, but you had all making the run towards Danny Wilson, who was tracked in the midfield because the midfield pushed up. And so there was an open man and Steven Betasher is not back as well. So, you know, that, that was a mistake that can't happen, Rabbi. At the same time, it's a mistake that we've seen those mistakes repeatedly enough to where we know this is who the Rapids are. They're probably going to continue to make those mistakes and more talented, bigger budget teams are going to get fewer chances than the Rapids, but still convert on those high quality opportunities. And the Rapids could still potentially dominate the opponent in terms of XG, in terms of high quality opportunities, in terms of shot attempts, and still not finish as well and ultimately lead to a draw where so many of the other metrics argue that the Rapids needed to get a win, needed to cash in and get three points. The opponent was efficient, even though you dominated them for long stretches. Um, Rabbi, big things. Uh, I actually want to kind of come back to what you said as as a, as a big thing, which is I think you talked extensively about the math of the XG here, um, but I'll just say it, and, and, and Jonathan Lewis's struggles and Kevin Cabral's struggles, but just to say it a little bit more simply, um, the finishing wasn't good in this game for the Rapids. Um, it was, and this is a consistent problem that we've had the past 
season and a half. So, well, not even. The, the nine games of this season and most of last season where our expected goals was higher than our actual goals. Because, and what that implies is the finishing's not very good, which is related to a problem that we have talked about on this podcast over and over and over again, which is in the Moneyball Rapid system, where you don't want to spend a lot of money on a striker. It means that you don't get guys who have a history of finishing very well. Diego Rubio was fantastic last year, but at the other positions that are important for the Rapids, like forward and attacking midfield, they don't have guys who put the ball in the net. To that point, Max had a goal. Was it last week was his first goal um, in MLS? Um, and not, not including his goal in his first, uh, I think it was his second game um, for the Rapids, which was in CONCACAF Champions League. Um, but like, you know, we brought him on as an attacking midfield and he doesn't score a lot, right? Like, which is not a great thing. Um, if you're going to get players in attacking positions, they need to be dribbling threats. They need to be passing threats. They need to be pressing threats. Um, they need to string good passes together. And they also need to be good at putting the ball on frame and in the net. Um, the last thing, uh, some, somebody in, in, in one of our, our, our uh, podcast listener fans was saying something to the effect of like, yeah, you know, the Rapids took a lot of shots where they Cabral and, and Lewis put it right at the goalkeeper. They put it ro- right at Roman Berkey, um, former Dortmund goalkeeper. Um, and all they need to do is they'll bring out the um, the uh, mannequin. The mannequin. I, right? I know what you're talking about, Rabbi. I don't know if that's its name. No, no, no you got it. The, 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 the dummy, the mannequin. Um, and, and they'll put it in the goal and they'll just have... Cabral and Lewis shoot around it, right, and and put it into the the top corner and the bottom corner and so on. And I was like, would that it was so easy, right? Would that more drills uh, in one week would solve all the Rapids' problems? I, you, Matt, you you go out to training more than I probably ever have, but I used to go out to training all the time, and they work on all kinds of things, right? If you could work on the thing that you weren't good at last week and then fix it for next week. Every team in Major League Soccer would freaking look like Arsenal and Man City because they would just progress, you know, rapidly to fixing the problem they had last week and they would just get more and more perfect each and every week. It's not how it works, right? Like Cabral's not going to fix three seasons worth of garbage with one set of drills in a week. And maybe the fan knew this and maybe he was just being tongue in cheek. But um, I, I do think that like the problems go a little bit deeper. If our finishing can get better because it was better in 2021, we can, we can really be a very good team. We can, we can be in the top five of the Western conference by the end of this year. But if things keep going the way they're going, we're shooting to scrape into the playoffs in the ninth spot of the Western Conference at best. Yeah, Rabbi, it's just it's so frustrating because you see all this potential and the squad has young players and you believe in Robin Frazier that they can get better. And so you you just like it feels like they're almost there. But at the same time, if they were almost there, Jonathan Lewis <laughs> would fix the one big weakness that he has in his game. And that's real, Mark. He'd probably be playing in Europe right now if he had fixed that. So this would almost be a better question for you. Rabbi, giving you're more of the stats person than me, like when's the last time there was a player in MLS? I think I looked this up the other day. I think Lewis is either 26 or 27. So we'll say we'll say uh, in the front half of his 20s decade wise in which a player 
in MLS or elsewhere was known to be a certain level in terms of their finishing or some other stat and then got markedly better at that point. You know, we've got two whole seasons worth of data on Kevin Cabral with the LA Galaxy. Uh, The fact that he has not been starting regularly is, I think, still a concern regardless of what Porrick Smith sold DNVR last week. Um, We know what Jonathan Lewis is right now in MLS. Like, when are you suddenly going to become that? Mark, find me if you can, you know, scour into the archives of American soccer analysis. And can you find an example where there was someone who was a Dom Baji average level striker, average level finisher in MLS right up until the age of 25? And then something changed to where they went from somewhere between the 40th and the 60th percentile to 80th percentile and up. I don't know that that happens. I don't know that it exists. As much as we know that this team works hard and they have an approach and they have a good culture and, you know, they're friends and they ha- they have the power of friendship and we believe in Robin Frazier and we know he can coach well and the team's using analytics and everything to try and improve the team, to try and recruit well and everything. Just we know, Mark, that, you know, they're going to have, what, you know, 14 other home games the rest of the way, and they're going to outplay opponents that are more, that are better than them on paper in, like, nine of those, and they might win the majority, they might win five or six of those nine, but they're going to drop points uh, in situations where they just make the same mistakes before, because we know that we've just got the data outside of Diego Rubio, there's not enough chance creation on this team. I think we can fairly criticize at this point, Rabbi, the finishing on Set pieces, no set pieces goals, no set piece goals, almost, you know, a third of the way through the season and everything. Is that missing Jack Price? Is that Ronan being new and needing to spend more time with Chris Sharpie? Is Max Shue and Wilson and Abubakar, are they getting chances just not finishing them? In any case, this team right now is not the set piece kings of MLS. And so we just know, Rabbi, that they're going to continue to work really hard and play well and at times dominate teams between the boxes. And it's going to get to the final third. And the Rapids are going to be significantly below average at that. Opponents are going to be significantly above average in that. And then thus, the Rapids are going to be mid to lower mid in terms of the table as a result of a frustrating thing that we see repeatedly that we know can be improved upon that just isn't because we have enough data to know this is who this team is, unfortunately. I have the answer for you, Matt, but it's only one answer. It's not a, it's not a, hey, I looked at every major league soccer player in the last five years in the um, 30 seconds you gave me to look this up. But the guy that came to mind immediately for me, he's not perfect for what you said, which is like a Palooka who turned into a golden gem, uh, but he's close because he, um, he was a prince, he turned into a frog, and he turned back into a prince. And it's a very interesting, he's a very interesting player. Daniel Shallowy with SKC um, in 2018 as a young, young player. Um, he put together a ridiculously good season. His expected goals that year were 7.56, but he produced 11 goals, meaning his G minus XG was a plus 3.44. Great year in 2018. He followed that up with a 2019 year where he produced almost the exact same expected goals of 7.54 but only had one major league soccer goal. He had a season worst and a league worst minus 6.54 G minus XG. He turned into a frog. And then what happened? 2020, he was injured and it was the COVID year. 2021, his first full year back, he had his best year ever in major league soccer. Uh, Expected goals of 11.61. He exceeded that by five goals. 16 goals in Major League Soccer in 2021. One of the factors that might have led to that was he had to be the man now that SKC's former striker, of course, um, uh, Diego Rubio, 
was no longer with them, and he had had a couple years to kind of grow into that role. So Daniel Shallowy is my answer for guy who turns from a palooka into Mike Tyson in the punch-out game. So that's my take. There's probably other players who kind of went from zero to hero pretty quickly, but we never know. I mean, like, we we really hope that that is really the hope with Kevin Cabral and a little bit Jonathan Lewis, although Lewis has produced better better results uh, overall, but, like, can Kevin Cabral be a 10-goal scorer in Major League Soccer this year, kind of ex nihilo, out of out of nothing? We'll wait and see. Rabbi, we are currently podcasting on Transfer Deadline Day, the final day of the primary transfer window for Major League Soccer. We'll get to some news on that, but first, tell our listeners how they can best support independent coverage of their Colorado Rapids. Ladies and gentlemen, friends... Romans, uh, fellow Rapids aficionados, we are supported by you, our local listeners, to this here podcast. We love doing it. We love following the Rapids, driving out to training, flying to road games, interviewing players. We love spending our day offs of our day jobs, writing soccer articles for holding the Highline Substack, or for Burgundy Wave, where we have one of the best articles that you will read this year, folks, uh, by our own Matt Pollard uh, photos taken by the amazing John Babiak. Um, Matt did an awesome, awesome interview with Lalo Sabubakar about what it is like to fast for Ramadan and then go out on the field. Um, Matt got all the information about what Lalas eats before the 5 a.m. Um, wake up and what he eats immediately after. The effort the Rapids put into um, having a nutritionist really analyze this problem and get the best results out of the player and Lalas's own remarks about how the Rapids nutritionists were helpful to him. It is a fantastic article. I have not read anything like it anywhere in the sporting world. Um, you got to go read it. It is uh, a peach, and it's a great way to kick off the newly independent Burgundy Wave, which has been released from the shackles of SB Nation slavery and uh, servitude. So that is, of course, Matt's, do- Matt's work with uh, Burgundy Wave. You should support Burgundy Wave by being a Patreon to them, but you can be uh, a patron to us uh, by helping us pay our rent and hoisting a pint uh, by subscribing to our Substack. You can become a paid supporter, aka a Highliner, by putting in just $5 a month or $42 a year. A yearly subscription will get you some discounted or free merch. We're debating whether we go with a beer mug or a beer pint glass. Um, if you have thoughts, please DM me or message me on the site. Maybe I will just do a straight up poll on the Twitter machine and see what happens as long as Elon Musk continues to allow such things to take place without magical green, blue, yellow, or orange check marks necessary. Uh, You will also get behind paywall articles and audio. And most importantly, you'll be supporting citizen soccer journalism and we appreciate it. Back to you, Matt. So Mark, uh, let's talk. I, there's not a whole lot of news right now concerning the Colorado Rapids. Mark, I, I spoke to a number of fans on Saturday at the tailgate who were concerned about whether or not, you know, the early season and the inconsistencies or just the, the lack of wins being something that would be an impetus for Porrick Smith and the new front office to look at in terms of making a move to try and improve the team before the primary transfer window closed. And then I, 
I ended up carpooling with uh, our good friend Brendan Plone for the Denver Post back, and we were talking about that as well, Mark, and figured I kind of thought, you know, they'll probably receive a call. I don't know if there's, I don't know that the Rapids are taking any big swings on this. If the um, live uh, MLS transfer deadline day tracker on The Athletic by now Tom Bogert, who's now with The Athletic, and Jeff Reuter is anything to go on. I don't think the Raptors are doing a whole lot there. Um, that being said, Rabbi, there is some scuttlebutt, though it's not yet confirmed that RSL and Charlotte FC could be in conversations to have a deal that would include swapping Andre Shinashiki, former Burgundy Boy 2019 MLS Rookie of the Year, for Justin Miram, longtime crew player, and has now been with RSL, kind of old, kind of injured, um, but a swap there, and then I don't know what other assets would be involved in that as well. Rabbi, any disappointment that there's nothing going on uh, Rapids-wise on the final deadline day? And how would we feel about former beloved boy, DU Soccer, uh, you know, Rapids U23, Rapids Rookie of the Year, underappreciated player who just could not find a way to get into the squad. And honestly, some of that's on the man management of the front office and the coaching staff of turning to the dark side and joining Pablo Mastroeni with that club down the hill. Uh, that's possible. There was one piece of news, which, uh, maybe because you put it on Twitter, you, you forgot to mention on the podcast and it's pretty minor, which is the Colorado Rapids waved, uh, forward Dantuma Yaya Toure. Oh yeah. I forgot about that. No big deal, of course. And, 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 and why should you remember it? Because it's not, there's a player who, um, we saw for, you know, a hot second last season, um, suffered an injury in August and uh, never returned. Um, Matt posted to Burgundy Wave uh, earlier this week that not only was he waived, um, but he was waived for personal reasons. Uh, he he made an appeal to the club. The cl- club released him. Um, this is uh, and and Matt in the article pointed out that uh, Will Vint was a similar situation for the Rapids. A injured player, personal issues, let him go. Um, Vint went on to play for Charlotte, Charlotte uh, Independence last season, didn't play too many minutes, and then uh, is not currently playing soccer as of 2023, as far as I know. There's not a whole lot else going on there. It's it's um, it, it's pretty thin on the waiver wire. The timing for this um, closing of the MLS transfer window is not great for much to happen. Um, there are... Just, you know, the European League's transfer window closing at the end of January means that the only chance you have is really the month of February to be picking up guys that were got released from their uh, European teams um, or to be making deals with teams in the Western Hemisphere who their leagues haven't started yet. Um, But that all takes place mostly in the month of February, maybe into early March for those final last transfers. When you're into late April... You're really just not looking for much. So, you know, the only other interesting deal that I saw um, is Ben Sweat uh, was signed by the New England Revolution. He's a useful cog, used to play for um, SKC before he was with SKC. He was brought up by NYCFC, who he showed up at like, I think, an open tryout for NYCFC. And that's how he got the gig. Um, so he's, he's kind of a, a, a rags to riches, um, you know, Cinderella story came out of nowhere um, those are always fun. Um, on the other end of things, Chase Gasper, who is a fairly talented fullback, um, got waived by the LA Galaxy this week so they could sign Gino Vivi, a guy who they picked up in the in the waiver draft. Um, and then the last and most interesting thing, um, and then I'll actually answer your question, Matthew. Um, 
uh, one of the last acts of Tom Bogert before he left to uh, left left uh, MLS to go to the Athletic was he reported that uh, Brenner, the starting striker for FC Cincinnati, is possibly in a deal for a transfer to Udinese in uh, Serie A, um, but that probably wouldn't take place until July, um, since Udinese can't add him since they're not in their transfer window. So interesting stuff. Uh, I don't know what that means for FC Cincinnati. Um, did did I expect the Rapids to do anything during the transfer window? No, not at all. Not not in any way, shape, or form. Um, even though they lost a major player, this is just uh, in Jack Price. This is just not the time to add big pieces like that. This is the time to put the pieces in motion for a good summer transfer, right? To start looking at the teams who are going down a league in Europe or who finished mid-table and are going to really need to do some revamping um, in some of the uh, high to to mid-tier leagues like Belgium and Norway um, and Holland or in the higher teams, you know, like the teams that are in the championship and will be going down to League One and so on and so forth. So those moves are in process. You know, that's what uh, the scouts, that's what uh, Fran Taylor and Porksmith are looking at right now. They're trying to get their ducks in a row for a July transfer. What's that going to look like? I don't know. I don't know whether the Rapids are looking at the things that Matt and I are seeing. Um, if 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 you're if I'm Pork Smith and I'm looking to improve this team um, in a way that would help them, I'm looking for a young striker who has been sat on the bench or was sold a bad bill of goods by their European team. Maybe some guy who came over from Brazil or Argentina who they just never got the, the run out that they were expecting, and maybe I can get for a song or on a free in the window. Um, or maybe I'm looking for a winger. Uh, who is different than what we currently have, which is right now we've got pacey wingers who aren't great finishers and don't necessarily bend in a nice cross. Um, they're they're kind of shoot first, ask questions later type guys. I'm thinking maybe we go for a guy who's very, very tricky on the dribble and who does really um, nasty, filthy things when you get into the box. A Vicente Sanchez, a Thierry Henry type player, um, for the wing. I mean, kind of like a Sam Nicholson, um, but with a little bit less north-south and a little more east-west. Anyhow, those are my takes on on what my, or my wish list for July. But Matt, was I disappointed that it didn't happen in April? Not at all. I've never I've never expected the Rapids to do anything at this stage of the game. How about you, buddy? Um, I'm wondering if they maybe consider going after a fullback, Mark, because you ah. know Keegan Rosenberry continuously when. Uh, Robin Frazier feels comfortable putting him in a center back role in the back three. And if that's advantageous, I think you need a little bit more support. And then you just look at the injuries that you've had. You know, Beta was in and out, even though he started this game as well. Sam Nicholson was a late scratch this week with an ankle injury. He was not on the initial game notes for Thursday. And then I think even Friday morning, he was a scratch like day of potentially. So you're pretty thin at fullback, and that's including Sebastian Anderson, who I increasingly uh, am starting to doubt, Mark, whether or not he's going to be an MLS, a consistent MLS player or if he's you know con- going down the route of uh, a Dylan Sterna potentially. And you've got Sam Nicholson playing out of position. And then other than that, you've got Anthony Markanich, who, Mark, I think you and I are both rooting for. You and I think there's a capable player in there, but you know he's inconsistent and he has mistakes. And how much of an indictment, Rabbi, is it about where... Um, Alex Gershbach has fallen on the depth chart, similar to Cabral like two, three weeks ago, that 
Sam Nicholson was being played out of position over you in your natural position. He gets hurt, and Robin Frazier goes with Stephen Beta sure. And then even then, when Beta gets hurt, <laughs> he's subbed out for Mark Hannish. You are yep. you are fourth option when you are realistically only competing with one other natural left back. Beta's normally a right back, and Sam Nicholson. I feel like Mark was mostly the position that he's most played with the Rapids have been has still been right winger over the course of his two stints with the club now. So. Uh, maybe fullback, but I think your comments about them potentially looking for um, a different type of attacking player, I think, are certainly well taken. Last thing that I want to mention on this front, Rabbi, um, also a scratch for this past Saturday's game against St. Louis was Calvin Harris, who was not injured, Rabbi, but uh, he was out uh, with a green card. Brendan Plone first and then me second uh, at Burgundy Wave reporting that he is in England. There's not officially a timeline, but it's not like he's going to be gone for a month or anything like that um, to deal with his green card. And Rabbi, there's a valid question out there whether or not this would make Harris a domestic player for the 2023 season. I had a conversation with um, friend of the pod, Joseph, not Joseph Samuelson, excuse me, though Joe's doing great for those of you who are wondering, uh, with Jason Maxwell about the roster rules with that. The 2022 iteration of the MLS roster rules and regulations say that if a player does not is not domestic by the roster compliance date, if they're on the team by the roster compliance date or not domestic by the day they sign, i.e. they already had a green card, they were already an American citizen when they signed midseason with the MLS team. If they're an international player beforehand, then they're an international player for the whole season, even if they get a green card before that. And that was February 25th was the deadline for a player to get that before they'd be counted as an international player. And Mark, that was the start of the 2022 regular season. And then in the updated roster rules, they didn't say anything about that for the 2023 iteration where there were changes. That being said, the question is then what's that date upon which what's that deadline date in 2023 for players to get their green card and then be a domestic player for 2023? Could it have been the roster compliance date? And is Calvin Harris by going through that process and finalizing it potentially valid? Or was MLS having that rule be just like it was last year, where it was, you know, the effectively the roster compliance date the Friday night before the opening kickoff? of the season. Um, I'm going to reach out to the club and try and get some clarity on that, but possible but unlikely, Rabbi, that this would result in the Rapids opening up an international roster slot for the summer. If nothing else, they do have an open roster spot and some flexibility for a number of reasons, including but not limited to the roster spot being vacated by uh, Adama, Tri- Adama Troy, or excuse me, um, Dantuma Yaya Torre um, being waived by the club. Anything else that we want to say transfer-wise, Mark, or shall we get to the DGW awaiting the Colorado Rapids? Let's talk about this matchup of two games for our Burgundy boys. Listeners, this coming Wednesday, April 26th at 7 p.m. at the Richard, the Colorado Rapids will be playing their first ever official competitive game against Northern Colorado Hailstorm FC of the USL League One, and this coming Saturday, April 29th, the Pids will be heading up north to Canada to BC Place to take on the Vancouver Whitecaps. Mark, we will start on Wednesday. First of all, Rabbi, are we settled? South Platte Derby, South Platte River Derby. We like that nickname, yes? You like it, and I'm I defer to you. You're 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 more uh, knowledgeable of the geography of the area and you're around. Um, I want you when you're at the game. Are you gonna be at this game, Matt? I will be at the game. 
then I want you to kick the idea around the name with with people, not in the press box, if you can get out of the press box and see what folks think. Maybe get to the tailgate a little early if there's any tailgate and, and see what folks think. Or or just stand outside and hold a sign says that says, is this the name of the Derby? Oh, by the way, update on uh, where we were. Uh, apparently the Rapids are currently in 12th place um, in the table. But yeah, go ahead, Matt. Yeah, so, okay, so I, I I feel like the Hailstorm fans that end up on my For You algorithm section on Twitter, Mark, are generally in favor of it. Brandon Plone's run off with it, and that's something that he's welcome to do. And, uh, Rabbi, I did speak to uh, Westminster, Colorado native and striker for the Hailstorm, Trevor Amon, earlier today, and then their head coach, Amon Zayed, as well, in prep in preparation for this podcast and then a preview article I'm going to put out for Burgundy Wave. I posited the question to both of them and they said they were fine with it as long as like fans like it. So Rapids fans, if you hate this nickname, bombard me with tweets. Hailstorm fans, if you're, you know, lurking in this podcast and listening to it or maybe you're Rapids fans who, maybe you're Hailstorm fans who your MLS team is the Rapids and you listen to us anyways, let us know what you think. If a bunch of you say this is a stupid nickname, Matt, stop it. Stop trying to make (laughs) South Platte Derby happen. Then I'll stop trying to make it happen. And if nobody comments it, then that's going to be Stop my headline. Stop trying to make fetch a thing. Then, uh, then it's going to be in my, uh, then it's going to be in my, in my headline on Wednesday. Rabbi, uh, Hailstorm are an interesting team in USL League One. They were very competitive last year. They were idle on decision day or on the final match day of the USL League One season. Uh, there were an odd number of teams in the league, and they narrowly missed out on the playoffs. They had a bit of a rough start because they were on the road for so many games before they got their home situation settled. They'll be moving into or have already partially moved into Future Legends Complex in Windsor, Colorado. We had Casey Katanowski on the podcast, I think two years ago now, Mark, to talk about that. There's going to be a whole complex, training fields. They've already got a bubble dome where uh, the Rapids, where Rapids 2 played that preseason friendly against Hailstorm and the stadium's coming along as well and it's going to be kind of a hybrid situation because they're sharing it with the Colorado Owls a I think independent baseball team that will also be playing with them but the facilities are there Um, everyone that I spoke to is really really excited about it excited about the investment that the ownership is putting into and excited to actually have a um, one place to be before that Mark last season Hailstorm were really almost Windsor Wanderers or Northern Colorado Wanderers They were playing games up at CSU. They were playing games in Boulder, I think. They ended up being at Severance High School, which is a great, like, you know, super mid, uh, quaint high school stadium mark in the absolute middle of nowhere. Great sunsets, but not great for professional soccer. And once they finally had things settled in terms of where they were in their training and where they were actually playing their games, they got on a good run of form. They beat some good teams. Trevor Amon got a hat trick as well. They started picking up their road form as well and just narrowly missed out on the playoffs. Real 2019 Rapids kind of vibes, folks. They come in this season. Again, they're on a long road stretch to start the season because they're awaiting the finalization, the finished construction of Future Legends Complex. They're undefeated in league play, though similar with the Rapids, a lot of draws as well. And the from a roster build standpoint, Mark, they kept most of the players that they really liked and were part of their core. Last year, Trevor Amon 
I look at center back and uh, captain Rob Cornwell, who's been a massive part of their team as well. A couple of their wide players and then Irvin Para as well, who was their talisman last season. He was the most common player to go up for player of the week or goal of the week in the USL League One for the hailstorm mark. But he's been out for uh, a couple games this season. I spoke to Amon Zayed uh, earlier today and he said that he's dealing with something that he didn't want to elaborate on, but he a decent chance that he'll be back with the team and available for Wednesday. So I don't know if that's an injury. I don't know if that's a personal issue, but in any case, Mark, I would expect him. And he was a really good number 10 a couple of years ago in the USL championship. And in a game where Hailstorm take it seriously, having not had to play over the weekend because they had a bye week in USL League One. So 10 days to prepare for the Rapids, their first team against maybe a Rapids 2 shuffle team and Irvin Parra in there to make a difference in everything. This could be a banana peel for the Burgundy boys. Rabbi, as someone who's more tuned into the USL Championship, your perspective on USL League One, what that says about the quality of the opposition for the Colorado Rapids. And I mean, Rabbi, this is just set up just like with New Mexico United, right, where there's going to be a bunch of Hailstorm fans. They're going to be excited because it's their first game in their home state of the season for uh, Hailstorm. And they're just going to come in, out chant C38, say hail yeah, and get a win. And the Rapids are going to go home and be sad that's that's what's happening right it could be uh i i I mean i think i don't think this is so much of a banana peel for the rapids i think they're probably going to be okay um the level at uh, league at league one is um there's a few teams at the top of league one in the last couple years who've been really good and have been on the level of being able to compete with no problem with usl championship teams i'm thinking of forward madison uh, mostly, but uh, Omaha has also been, Union Omaha has also been one of the best uh, League One U- USL teams. I think that the interesting thing is to figure out what the Rapids do for a lineup in this match. Like, who are they going to roll out? Um, who are they going to bring up from Rapids 2? Um, I actually, uh, I'm going to defer to you, Matt. I'm going to ask you if you have any idea here. I'm pretty sure it's going to be Marco Illich between the pipes. The back line, my guess would be uh, Stephen Betashore, Lala Sububakar, Michael Edwards, and Anthony Markanik. Um, although, if you wanted to throw a wild card in there, you might uh, pull a Bubakar out, um, see if Markanik can play at center back or Betashore can play at center back, and then bring on Sebastian Anderson, who's made the bench in all of the matches but hasn't actually played a minute of soccer yet this year, I think, for the Rapids, or if he has. It was like two minutes of garbage time. I'd go with a midfield of LaRaz, Prizo, and Ronan. The only downside of that interesting midfield, Matt, is that um, you're looking at basically three guys who naturally feel like sixes. I still feel like that gives you a lot of teeth. Here's the problem, Matt. I don't know who you play on the wing. Um, Barrios really needs to stay rested. I don't think rolling him out, you know, twice in a week is a great idea. So the only striker I think that makes perfect sense here is Yappi because he hasn't been getting as much run the last couple of weeks. And then I have no idea, Matt, you know Rapids too better than I do, of like who are the forwards or wingers that or or, or strikers who might pair nicely with Yappi up there. Um, uh, the Japanese player, Yoke, Yosuke Hanya. Yosuke Hanya. Um, would be a good option, but he didn't play this last week, so I'm assuming he took a knock and maybe out or something like that. Um, I would love to see him there. 
I would love to see uh, Dylan Serna get into this match. He started on the bench uh, in the last uh, game. Um, and, you know, the, the roster rules for rostering in Open Cup are pretty loose. I mean, basically, if you roster a guy, um, you know, in, in one round, there's there's no obligation to bring him back for the next round. You can mix and match a little bit in the next round. There's always just the concept of being cup-tied, meaning if the Rapids wind up training one of these guys mid-season to some other team, he won't be able to play again in Open Cup. Um, so that's, I think, my only question, which is that's the most interesting question for me. I don't know the Hailstorms roster well enough, and I'm fascinated about who in the depth of the Rapids might get a run out of this match. It's a really good question, Rabbi, and honestly, I don't know what Robin Fraser does with this because you know normally you would think, okay, Mark, we've got um, you know, you've got Open Cup, you're playing an MLS team, they probably have an Open Cup game this week as well. The Rapids are playing Vancouver Whitecaps, Mark, who are idle because they didn't advance in Champions League, and obviously the Canadian Championship isn't starting yet. And on top of that, what did the Rapids, what did Vancouver have this past weekend, Mark? They had a bye week as well. So Vancouver on extended rest, Hailstorm on extended rest, having not played this past weekend in USL League One, and then you've got to go from, you know, exerting all your energy using, what, four or five subs on Saturday against St. Louis, playing midweek, albeit at home, I'd say by Western Conference standards, a relatively short flight, Denver to um, to Vancouver. I have to assume they're going to be nonstop on the charter flight there, but if it was two home games, maybe you think about it differently. I don't know, Mark, because you think last year, with the Open Cup game against Minnesota, the Rapids really went for it. We we previewed that game, and we thought it was effectively going to be Loons 2 versus R2, and it was effectively two relatively first-choice lineups. I don't know how, with the way the team's playing, with where they are on the table, and knowing that you can't go to Vancouver with an exhausted team and lose, you need to at least get a draw, preferably a win, given what Vancouver's like. We'll give them... Uh, we'll give them their due in a couple minutes. Don't worry, listeners. I, I think you got to roll out Rapids, too, and then hope they can find something or maybe a hybrid lineup. Maybe you start a couple starters, Mark. Maybe you've got, you know, one attacker, one defender, one midfielder who's a first-team player who's on your bench as well. This is what I would do, listeners. This is not any insider knowledge from me. This is not me trying to be Robin Frazier. If I, Matt Pollard, was appointed the head coach of the Colorado Rapids tomorrow, here's the lineup that I would put out and mark it similar to you. So in goal, I'm going Marco Illich. We need to get some data point on him. And with Abroad not available, Rabbi, when else is he going to get a game with how well um, Yarby's playing right now? I'm, I'm sticking with the same formation because the team has been playing tactically the same way that I don't want to go 4-3-3 just because I'm resting all of my center backs. Anthony Markanich, Rabbi, can play at center back, and he's done that a little bit in training in the past. I don't know if he's done it a whole lot this season. So I'm going him at center back in almost like a left double pivot with Gershback, because when else are you going to play Gershback with where he's at at the depth chart? You need to get some other sense of whether or not he can work his way back up into the starting 11. And Sam Nicholson coming off the ankle injury, TBD. Um, I go Edwards in the middle in the Danny Ro- in the, the Max Shue Roll just head everything out that's going towards um your strikers and then I'm go I'm running lawless you know he's had a couple days and everything he's finally able to eat and hydrate during the middle of the day he's filled with the spirit of Allah and everything I think that he's the one guy that you have at the back who can go uh, 180 270 minutes this week and then I'm going Sebastian Anderson on the right midfield I'm going with these same three as you Rabbi I've got Ali Laraz Ralph Prizo and Connor Ronan. 
figure it out, guys. I don't know what's happening. Uh, Darren Yappi did not start this past weekend, Mark, so I have to figure he's going to be able to start. And I'm going simply because I know he can give me 70 minutes and then also be a sub on the weekend. I'm going Lewis, and I have question mark at the other position. Maybe you give Cabral another opportunity. I, 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 I don't know, Mark. Maybe... You know, maybe you do a one game, maybe you do the the loan thing with uh, players that are technically on MLS Next Pro contracts and you sign a short term loan and maybe you loan and maybe you put the Cabrals up top because they're twins and maybe they got some chemistry. If nothing else, Rabbi, maybe you'll confuse the hailstorm defense as to which Cabral is the MLS DP Cabral and then therefore make it easier for Cabral to actually do something well. I don't know. It's a big question mark. It's uh, it's a big question. I don't know what to do, Rabbi. Uh, we know Hailstorm's going to take this seriously. We know this is where they make their hay in this tournament, and they're coming in confident. They're coming in rested and believing that they can make stuff, life difficult for the Rapids and try and get a result, just like they did to Real Salt Lake last year. So I don't know what's going to happen, Rabbi. <sighs> I got a sneaky suspicion this is going. I, I think the Rapids win, Mark. I think it's in penalties. I think, uh, I think it's nil-nil or 1-1 after 120 and I think the Rapids sneak it out and it's a result they're happy with but a performance they're not I think Hailstorm come in and to quote Amon Zayed run their balls off and everything and make the Rapids expend as much energy as possible and I think ultimately it's Rapids 2 not blowing it so that Rapids first team players can come off the bench and ultimately seal the result Rabbi your prediction I wanted to say at first that uh, Colorado would have no problem with the Hailstorm, but I've seen them play a little bit in their trouble. And now that we've talked about the lineup, I'm not thrilled with it. Uh, what I think the Rapids will go with. I mean, I think it's there's some guys I want to see play, but some guys who uh, are not quite ready for prime time. So I'm going to go uh, 2-0 to the Hailstorm. Uh, it's not even going to be close, and uh, the Rapids will bow out once again uh, in a very disappointing way. Mark, if I had to predict, since you said that you don't know the Hailstorm roster that well, I'm going to say that it's Irving Para with a coming off the bench in this game and then scoring a great worldie to seal it. And I'm going to go with Trevor Amon, Westminster, Colorado native, to score as well. Probably in transition, uh, Hailstorm were really gagging pressy against switchbacks, Mark, and they really took it to them. I think they're going to have a little bit more respect for the Rapids and default to not have the ball. And I think as the game goes on and the game state continues to favor, if it's a neutral game state, they'll gradually get more aggressive because they think they can go for it. So I'm going to say like 55th, 60th minute, you get a turnover by a Rapids 2 or a sub player, a mistake at the back from the Rapids. That leads to a counterattack upon which Amon eventually uh, converts on. And then the Rapids go all out, you know, attacking subs and everything, throwing numbers forward. Maybe they go forth back like they did this past weekend and everything. And that leaves themselves susceptible. Irving Parra converts on that would be my prediction for your scoreline and how it happens. TBD, um, we'll see what happens. Um and then, Mark, uh, this coming Saturday, the Colorado Rapids playing their first game of the season against the Vancouver Whitecaps, who continue to be mid-befuddling and kind of boring. Ironically, Rabbi, I'm more excited to talk Ailstorm than I am Whitecaps. Very outdoorsy, wintry, Mark, because you've got the you've got hail potentially following on the mountains that turn the caps white and everything, and then that hail and snow ultimately melts, and then that water flows through oh, the river. That was such a- 
That was such a dad joke, Matt. I love it. <laughs> okay, um, so Mark, not a whole lot of changes for this uh, Vancouver team. The one player that we maybe would have been excited to talk about, Rabbi, who I'm sure we both know from either FIFA or watching the Bundesliga, would have been Sergio Cordova, their new DP from the offseason. But he hurt himself a couple weeks ago, and he's out for like a couple months, so he's not going to be a part of this. In lieu of that, they've been playing Simon Betcher up top, who I'm just now hearing about, and apparently Vancouver drafted him. Brian White's up top. They've also got Ryan Gauld, who is their number 10 in terms of what he does, not necessarily how he does it. He's got that skill set, listeners, but he's mostly in a wide left role or in a uh, a mixed up and down midfielder role. Their midfielder mark, uh, their midfield mark is including Julian Gressel, um, who's a fantastic option in MLS fantasy because he's listed as a defender. He was a fullback last year, but he's been very much a number seven for the Whitecaps. And they've also got Ali Ahmed, who's been kind of their box to boxy kind of Roger Espinosa, a little bit Kellen Acosta role for me, Mark decent on the ball, a little bit physical undersized, but he's got that dog in him um, at the back. Tristan Blackman, a bunch of other defenders who I personally don't rate as well. Um, and then in goal this season, Mark, they've now been playing Yogi Taka, Takaoka, um, who is a Japanese goalkeeper and a international. So I guess the um, I can't remember who they had. Um, well, I guess it was Maxine Crepeau and then they traded him to LAFC. Uh, but it has not been uh, the um, it has not been the Thomas Hassall show recently. And then if we turn our attention to the bench rabbi, normally I would say Dahomey is their big, you know, channel running forward that they have, but he's been traded recently. So you're looking at Caicedo, who's played in a couple of different roles, and then a Russell Tybert, their longtime homegrown, sometimes starter, sometimes bench player as well in the midfield who can play a couple of different roles. Mark, I'm not super impressed with this team. I'm not super impressed with their squad overall. I like Ryan Gold as a player. Um, Brian White's pretty mid. If you ask me personally, he hasn't gotten off to a great start. I'm worried about Julian Gressel, especially since he plays on their right. It would be the Colorado Rapids left. If Sam Nicholson's playing, then you're looking at that being a defensive concern. If it's Alex Gershback, depending on what happens on Wednesday night as well, that is also a concern. Um, maybe kind of the one player, 1v1, I'd be comfortable in that position, Mark, would be a Steven Badisher. But then we know that he's going to be a little bit more defensive. And then what the Rapids are going to try and have to do attacking-wise is going to have to come up the middle. Their center backs, as I mentioned, aren't super good, Rabbi, but they also are, are pretty tall and decent in the air defensively. So I would not expect a set-piece goal from the Colorado Rapids. I don't know where chance creation is coming from this game, Rabbi, but also a lot of my thoughts on this game are going to hinge on having the knowledge of what happens Wednesday night. And we don't know if it's a bunch of Rapids, two guys, and then the Rapids are ultimately fresh. Maybe I feel differently. If Diego Rubio has to play 120 minutes and try and save this team from being rail hawked on Wednesday night and he's totally gassed, I don't know how the Rapids score goals. Yeah, I mean, you said a lot of good things. Uh, Vancouver Whitecaps is basically distressed assets north. You know, this is uh, Julian Gressel, who is a great player. Uh, he's probably the best player that they've gotten to pick up, but he's, I think, starting to find the backside of his career after some great years with Atlanta and then with D.C. Um, then they've got Tristan Blackman, who last week started at uh, center back. Um, he was with LAFC. He was an outside back. So that's an interesting choice. Ryan Gold, I, I, I like a lot, um, but I don't think of him as an exceptional player. I rather think of him as a good, solid um, kind of MLS uh, average veteran. But you, you, you used a phrase, Matt, that I really love. You said this team is very mid and doesn't impress you. Um, 
I learned the word mid from my kids, right? That's how old I am at this point in my life where my 10 and 12 year old are teaching me the hip, cool words that all the kids are using these days. Matt is the hip, cool kid that I get to hang out with on a podcast that makes me feel old. Um, and of course, I made him, uh, I made fun of him earlier for telling dad jokes about the Whitecaps <laughs> and the Rapids and the natural, you know, storms and hail and da, da, da. Anyways, point being, yeah, um, the Whitecaps have, uh, I think, three 1-1 draws and a nil-nil draw. Then they have a 5-0 curb stomping of um, the Montreal uh, uh, Club de Foot. Um, so they're a perplexing little team. They also blew out a team from Central America in uh, CONCACAF before ultimately getting absolutely blown out by um, LAFC in two legs. I don't really fully know. This team has a bit of a Jekyll and Hyde aspect to it, which is they, they win some big games and then they don't show up at all. So I don't know what to make of them. Um, I do think that you know seeing this game on the front end will be really valuable for us to see uh, in order to understand um, what will come later on in the season when we run it back against them and kind of get another experience about who they're playing. I, I would prefer um, to meet Vancouver in Colorado to start the year rather than take it on the road. Um, I think uh, we do pretty well in Vancouver, if my memory serves, from the last couple of years. I feel like we look good on the road there uh, regularly. The, if I'm not mistaken... That's Schelzengashi Bender that was goal of the year took place in Vancouver. Now that's that's ancient history at this point because that was what 2016, Matt. Um, but that being said, like uh, this is uh, this will be an interesting matchup. This should be a winnable game for the Rapids, but based on our run of form lately, I don't know that we actually will win this one. Yeah, I I hesitate to do a scoreline mark because again, we have no idea how the game on Wednesday is ultimately going to affect right. the lineup decisions on Sunday, but all on Saturday. But I, I will say my prediction, the least likely result of the three is a Rapids win. I think the most likely result is a Vancouver Whitecaps win. I don't know what to make of it, Mark. I, I think this is a, if you spend a lot of energy and a lot, if you put a lot of resources and focus into Wednesday, then I think at minimum you have to get a draw. If it's a Rapids 2 team that gets rolled out and you know, you're know you not playing more than four or five starters and maybe only two or three of them start on Wednesday and none of the typical Rapids starters play 90 minutes or certainly 120 minutes against Hailstorm and you're effectively fresh going into Vancouver, then I, I think you got to get a win. This is one of the... this is. One of the few winnable road games that the Rapids are going to get in terms of a team that has clear weaknesses, doesn't have a whole lot of top-end talent, similarly could create a lot of chances but then not finish them, and you need to find a way to get all of your opportunities to convert and put the ball in the back of the net and maybe win ugly like you did against Sporting Kansas City. And if you do that, then that's three points and a lot more confidence as the team moves up the table and then actually has a performance, you know, have the has the result reflect the performance um, and, and what's needed from the club. Rabbi, I've said a whole lot. You've said a whole lot. We're approaching extra time level going over an hour on this one. Anything else we want to say or shall we get out of here? I just wanted to give my prediction in this match. Uh, Colorado is all about 1-1 draws right now. I feel like this game just absolutely screams 1-1 draw. That's just who we are right now. Not great at finishing. Um, pretty decent at defending, but not really... Um, not able to put together 90 minutes of soccer. We're going to see more of it against Vancouver, even though they are not an impressive side. 
we are not an impressive side either. Matt, tell them about us and where you find out about our written content and how to hit us on social or contact us offline. Uh, I have to. I do have to ask one follow up question, one Mark. Uh, Mark, I know you've got Diego Rubio getting the assist on the goal. Who scores the goal in the one-one draw for the Pins? Oh man, uh, Barrios off it, the bench. No, I was going to go with Keegan Rosenberry with the screamer. Keegan Rosenberry with those with those blistering shots from that right corner. I love it when he does that. Is this the day? Is this the the week that he does it? He's usually a late season kind of dude for this, but he usually bangs in too. I'm excited for him. To uh, to to maybe be the man this time. That would be a, a, a fun one. It's either that or the Lalo Sabubakar um, on a set piece. Those are those are the two most likely options for me. That that we get goals out of the defense because why not? Colorado Rapids. <laughs> all right then, um, listeners. All of our Twitter accounts are at soccer underscore rabbi at lws matt pollard and at rapids nine six podcast. All of the places that we write, all of the things are burgundywave.com. Last word on sports.com backslash soccer, Pittsburgh soccer now, and the Holding the Highline Substack, holdingthehighline.substack.com. Go there, view us in web format, subscribe to us via email, and then you can also become a paid Highliner there. Five bucks a month or 42 bucks for the year. If you want to get us on Twitter, I just mentioned our Twitter handles. You can also uh, submit questions to us using the hashtag AskHTHL, as long as Elon hasn't banned hashtags as a result of the MLS transfer window closing. Uh, and then if you want to get at us in long form, rapids96podcast at gmail.com. Listeners, we'll see you next week to review the Platte River Derby, South Platte Derby, and uh, hopefully a win in Vancouver.